0: Welcome back to the fifth and long podcast presented to you by Patrick Damar and Paul K. Shack. Lots to talk about this week for the boys, a lot to talk about. So we're making this a two-parter. We want to make it an easy listen for y'all. So here we go. Our first episode, uh, part one this week is going to be covering our five favorite sports topics from the week, some baseball stuff, some basketball stuff, a little bit of football too. And then we'll be doing a draft of our five favorite sports movies later on part two of this week's episode we will be releasing uh tomorrow so so you should be listening to this on wednesday thursday morning you'll see our part two that covers the rest of our nfl coverage of the week as well as some fantasy football stuff as well so uh we hope you enjoy please continue leaving us feedback we love hearing from you guys you can follow us on instagram and youtube at fifth and long pod or just fifth and long on twitter thank you and most important, enjoy the show. All right, back again with Kimish. Oh, my man. How are you doing? Are you doing fantastic or what?
1: Fantastic. Now that we're talking some sports, Patrick. Another episode of Fifth and Long. Can't wait, man. We got a good one for the listeners today, I feel it.
0: Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Um, We're going to start doing this a little bit differently, just kind of how we structure the open of the show. So uh, the first thing we're going to talk about, actually, are our top five stories of the week. So we're called Fifth and Long here. Uh, We're going to say these are our five downs that we want to cover this week, just from different sports stories we're enjoying, things we think are important to us um, since our last episode. So. First and foremost, uh, we've been doing a lot of football stuff on the podcast. We've teased a little bit of baseball things. We were waiting, wishing. I was I was wishing and hoping, but there was no shot in hell Shohei Otani was coming to Boston. Man, this seemed like almost like a, a done deal from the moment the season ended. Not in the sense like the numbers and everything was arranged, but most people I feel like were predicting him going to the other side of town in los angeles and that's exactly what happens. and i think the fit is actually phenomenal if you think about it i mean obviously it's shohei it's otani like where is the fit not going to be good but in terms of the winning culture that they're trying to, to to build there the guys that they have in that locker room mookie betts freddie Freeman, clayton kershaw even like these are all guys that want to win And want to do it the right way they're not like diva flashy players right they're like nose to the grindstone just put their ears behind their head do things the right way and work towards winning a championship and that's all he cares about obviously with how this deal is structured Uh, 10 years 700 million dollars first of all richest contract in pro sports history by like a good bit i think um messy like i don't know how much the messy deal was worth uh, but that that was really complicated because supposedly when Messi retires, he's going to be getting, um, like stock in the team, and they're also going to be paying him with stock in other, like, markets. I think um, I read something like that a while ago. But what it what was your initial reaction when you saw ten years, seven hundred million dollars?
1: Uh, First thought was that it was actually more than I thought. I thought I thought the uh, the number would start with a six at 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 least. Um, You knew you knew it was going to go north of five hundred million for sure. I thought it would be somewhere in the six hundred million. So it's taken aback at that. Uh, And then I thought that the ten years was a little bit less than what I thought. When we've seen some of these other deals, I feel like um, have reached into like twelve and thirteen years. I think Trout's deal was twelve or thirteen. I can't remember exactly. So those were initial thoughts. Um, can't say I'm surprised that it was the Dodgers. You alluded to that. If you're, uh, if you were holding out hope for your Red Sox to, to get Otani, I mean, I don't even know what to say as a pirate fan. No, but, I wasn't. I,
0: like <laughs> I said, I knew there wasn't a chance. Um, yeah.
1: Well, what do you think? What do you think I was thinking as a pirate fan? What do you think? I thought <laughs> his prospects were coming to Pittsburgh. Um yeah, dude, you talked about some of the uh, studs that they've got on that team, and that's exactly what they are. You know, they've got Mookie, uh, Freddie Freeman, Kershaw you mentioned. So there's not only winning culture there, but it's guys that can level up to Otani's level of play on, on the field, where, you know, previously it was kind of just Mike Trout, and that was it. And Trout dealt with some injuries as of late. I think it's going to be great to see Otani in the playoffs, right? You know, we haven't gotten to see to see that side of him yet. An, I don't think he's played in a playoff series. Well,
0: no, the world baseball classic I look at, and that to me, it's the only thing similar that we have to work off of right now for that. But I actually, I went back and I rewatched that, um, the final game between the U S and Japan. I rewatched the whole thing. And I, after the final at bat between trout and Otani, I probably went back and rewatched that another five times, just that at bat, like, I'm excited for that. I'm I'm already getting you know how much I love Otani. So right now I'm getting goosebumps thinking about him in a World Series game against you know the Yankees or or whoever, the Astros, uh the Rangers, and um who knows, maybe even the Angels put something together. Probably not, but yeah, that's that's what we all want. That's what we've been clamoring about for for Trout for years. We want to see him in the postseason and <clears throat> Now, um, Shohei. Hopefully, we get to see that next year as well. Um, you would expect them to to make the playoffs this year, maybe not, but you never know. Oh, they'll make not. they'll make the
1: playoffs. They should. They'll make the playoffs. Dave Roberts would be gone if this Dodger team didn't make the playoffs. It, they'll, but
0: they'll certainly make the playoffs a few times during the next decade. The,
1: I mean, making the World Series is a whole is a whole another thing. Just with. With the variance in baseball and how difficult it is to win in, in a series format, and, and the way the playoffs are structured, but yeah, that's th- those are my initial thoughts. Um, my secondary thought, though, if we if we can jump into that, is that the Dodgers are paying Otani at his ceiling, which I don't think anybody out there is going to say that this is a bad deal. I'm I'm not I'm not going there. But they are paying him $700 million a year, which so basically they're paying him to be an elite pitcher and an elite hitter all in one, which we we knew that that was coming. Right. I mean, he's proven that he can do both. However, you know, obviously he's not pitching this this upcoming year with uh, some of the arm concerns. It's not the first time that we've seen that from him. I I would worry only about this if I'm a Dodger fan that. He's not going to be able to maintain the pitching success throughout this contract. And then you, and then you also like factor in, he'd be 39 when this thing is all done. Is he going to be able to deliver an elite level hitting performance and pitching performance throughout the duration of this contract? Probably not. In fact, I I'd, I'd definitively say he won't, but that's, but that doesn't matter for LA, you know, it's like they're, they got such a rich market out there. And if they can get a couple world series here in the first five years of the deal, when Otani is still, most definitely Otani, it's going to absolutely be worth it. That, that will be, that will be how we judge it. We will judge the success of that contract within the first five years of it.
0: And so that was my other, other big takeaway about it. I would say that it depends on how they use him because in the world baseball classic, in that final game, we saw him used as a closer. I think there's certainly an argument to be made that that's probably what the last three four years of his career look like maybe slightly longer depending on the arm health and and whatnot certainly you you'd think that they intend to use him both in the lineup and on the mounds. the biggest story though is the deferrals they're not really paying him to do both at the same time they're paying him after the deal is done they're just going to be paying him two million dollars a year it almost doesn't matter like i mean obviously it, it it's going to matter whether or not the contract pays off, but like he's, they're paying him $2 million this year. Right. That's I think 18th on their salary book currently. If you think about it, that's, I mean, how many major league baseball players do you think more make more than $2 million a lot and none of them, a ton, and none of them are named Shohei Otani. (laughs) So, um,
1: but that money's still gonna to have to be paid to him. You know what I'm saying? 10 yeah, years so. down the road, that's still gonna be on their on their payroll.
0: Let's and talk that, about the-
1: that can hinder them 10 years down the road, is, is what I'm saying. And you talked about him uh like maybe transitioning to a closer. I'm sorry, $35 million a year, which I'm just using 35 million arbitrarily because you know, just breaking up his 70 right into half, or you know, 34 million if you take out the the two million per year that he's making. No closers getting 34 million a year. They're not. I just looked it up. Edwin Diaz going into this year is the top um, the highest paid closer. He's making 19.5.
0: Something else I really thought about was how much revenue Otani generates just in terms of like advertising, marketing, and whatnot. For one, he makes $40 million a year just for himself in endorsements, which last year would have been if it was his salary, it would have been one of the richest in the league. So it's not like he's really penny pinching with this $2 million a year salary for the next decade. Um, He's going to be making money. And and in all actuality, in all reality, he'll probably make more in the Dodgers market than he did in the angels market through um, those avenues. And then the Dodgers will also benefit from that too. Like this is the showtime Dodgers now. and Yes, I'm being corny a little bit with that nickname, but Magic Johnson is the owner. Like He came from the Showtime Lakers. This contract actually, Magic was like the first person to have a contract like this. He signed a 25-year, $25 million deal with the Lakers, I think going into his third or fourth season in the NBA, and the plan was for him to become a part of ownership after that. Now, he he obviously had some health issues that ended his career early, uh, he coached the team a little bit after that. And that's part of where that salary went, but they reworked the deal so they didn't end up paying him um, in that specific way. But if you look at the history of it, this is magic, sort of. It's history repeats itself, right? And he's using that same model for a contract saying, I think you're going to be way worth way more to my franchise down the road than we're even paying you right now he's using it as an investment more so than paying him um like i think he's going to be worth more than 700 million by the end of it if they win let's say they win two three world series you have the whole japanese market buying all of your merchandise all of japan like not to mention too if you can bring over a couple of his countrymen right we've got uh yamamoto right now we've got um uh, Imanagi, I think his name is the lefty. Uh, Imanaga, I, I might be wrong, I'm probably butchering that right now. Uh, but also, you're gonna have Roki Sasaki coming over, you're gonna have um, uh, the big first baseman, I forget his name, um, coming over as well. First baseman, third baseman, the slugger. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of other Japanese players that are gonna be coming to America and are going to be good in the next five years, even less. You can use that to your advantage, you can bring even more money in through that um i'm excited uh to see how it turns out obviously i'm I'm a huge fan of his big west coast baseball guy i'm just always up those hours so they're games that i tune into pretty frequently um but that's crazy dude 700 million 680 after the fact
1: I agree. He's going to do wonders for them marketing. I I, I don't doubt that at all. It, health is just going to be a huge thing here, and yeah, and, and baseball sure. baseball can be nasty in terms of how quickly it can tear down a player. That's sure. all. That's all I'm saying. You know, with, with these long contracts coming in and paying him to be an elite pitcher and to be an elite hitter, it's it's tough to to really live up to the contract throughout the duration of it. That's the only point that I'm saying they're going to recoup, they're going to recoup money. Like you said, in, in advertising, I'm just looking at the contract purely in in face value. Like, right. Right. And then like, and not just advertising, like you said, like, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, more fans to the ballpark, the LA market is huge, even more so for the Dodgers and the angels, like you alluded to, um, I just, I just wish more teams in baseball had the opportunity to do this. That's the small market, small market man in me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at the deal; how much money is coming in? Not, not many teams. I'm sure that's worth more than some MLB franchises. To be honest, like a few, or could be close. Um, very interesting to think about. There was also the whole Blue Jays thing where people were trying to say. i think it started on some like reddit thread that had flight logs of what turned out to be the guy from shark tank flying to toronto (laughs) and uh john morosi like took it and ran with it which is just a bad call last year we had the arson judge thing and this year we have this it's just like back-to-back years of bad looks for uh for baseball media um we got to do better and that includes you and me maybe we'll be the start of it um Maybe so. Do you think Toronto was
1: actually close to this offer? I, I, I
0: no. I think I kinda... the Giants were though. I saw a report today that said that the Giants made like basically the exact same offer to Shohei, like mm. pretty much the exact same. There might have been slight differences, but even like the way it was structured, like everything, it was almost the exact same. And he wanted to go play for LA. Man, uh, he wants to play for a winner. He wants to win rings. That's all he cares about. Yeah, I don't interesting. Like, I don't think anybody else in the league would have taken a deal like this either. Like, I don't. I think he's just like one of one, not just in terms of play and everything, but dude, I I I don't want to like suck the guy off too hard on air, but he's nobody else would do this. Nobody else would do this. this I
1: I mean, come on, Patrick. Like, everybody else would take seven hundred million. They'd wait as long as they needed to to get it.
0: Well, nobody else is making the revenue off the field in the majors to like supplant that income until then,
1: you know, they might,
0: they might still take 700 million, but they wouldn't structure it this way.
1: If that's what they had to do to get 700 million. Yes, they absolutely would. It's the, it's the largest, (laughs) it's the largest contract in the history of the sport. You know? Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying in terms of not everybody would, would be willing to defer money. Like if you take a look in terms of somebody making lesser money, but if you just take a look at the pure numbers of this, yeah, they, they they would take league minimum and then wait for for the sixty eight million or whatever they're going to make.
0: That's fair down the I'd road probably, in ten years. I probably would too. To be honest,
1: oh. <laughs> I would too. I'd be able yeah. to quit my day
0: job. That's for sure. Yeah, among other things. Um, the move that got swept under the rug with all this was Juan Soto to the Yankees, which happened I think like two days before the Otani deal. Uh, the Yankees traded like a few pro- Michael King and a few prospects for Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. Um, Soto is on a one-year deal, and the consensus is that he'll test free agency next year, but New York's going to be throwing offers his way. I don't think they're going to wait until the end of the season uh, or to lowball him like the Red Sox would have if they traded for him. So, one, I'm glad we didn't do it. As crazy as it sounds saying that, I don't think... I'm depressed. Anyways, we're gonna stick with the Yankees. Um <laughs> they gave up almost nothing for him, and then they got an extra player in too. He's gonna hit right behind Judge or or before him, probably after him, I would think. That's almost as scary of a duo to me as as Beth's Otani Freeman. Who you you would probably are you leading on the Dodgers side of that?
1: Yeah, I'm a big Freddie Freeman guy. I think that that's that's partly why. Like, he's definitely out of the guys you just mentioned. Just the one that I'm I'm a a big fan of. I think he's great offensively and defensively. Not that everybody else isn't. Um, I expect Soto to have a have a big, massive year this year, though. It's a contract <laughs> yeah. year. I you know I think it's been tough for him. San Diego didn't live up to their expectations uh, in, in past years, and then he was at the end of his term in. Washington he was just kind of on that team with, with nobody else around him it's kind of that kind of sucks and it's kind of easy to get complacent in situations like that I think that he's a guy who's definitely going to perform better under the the lights in the Bronx you know if you, you like how much moxie he had in that in that World Series against uh, against was oh, Houston right like against Garrett Cole like Like, excuse my language, but like grabbing his junk and everything like that, like stepping up in the box like he's he's going to absolutely thrive, I think, in in the lights of the Bronx. So I I expect a huge year out of him, maybe a career year um, and we'll see. And then, yeah, like he's a Scott Boris guy, so he's going to get a a fat bag of cash as well after this season. But I, I would I would take the combination of Mookie, Otani and Freeman. I think that they're a little bit better all around well-rounded players. And then when you factor in like Otani, the fact that he can do both hitting and pitching that, that puts it over the
0: edge, but I would like, if I was a pitcher and I had to look at those names, I think I would almost rather face that's Otani Freeman, to be honest, especially if I was a lefty, because then like, you've got a little bit of leeway there. Maybe like, I think there's less of a chance of those three guys going back to back to back on you or getting back to back homers from two of those guys than you would from having judge Soto go back to back. Like those guys are easily going to combine for a hundred homers this year. Probably more. Imagine if both of them hit 60 plus, that's like, I'm trying to wrap my head around it right now, what it could look like. And it's terrifying. <laughs> I terrifying spells, man. I mean, it's, two
1: super teams the way that they got their cores built right now
0: that's what it feels like that's what it feels like this feels like the nba like 10 years ago where all of a sudden everybody's trying to team up and and go get a ring together i mean isn't that what it feels like to you at least
1: yeah, to a degree. It's not a bad comparison back to, you know, some of those teams that the Warriors built, like when KD came over. And uh, some well, I was of the teams even that, going
0: further back, like, like LeBron with LeBron and, and everything. Heat, yeah, 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 with yeah. Bosch
1: and Wade. Yeah, I, I feel you. Um, I mean, to a degree, we, we already really we kind of have super teams in, in baseball. I think the Astros have kind of had one themselves. They just kind of built it from within more so then paying in free agency with some of the talent that they've kept on their core, like Bregman, Altuve. Now Alvarez is coming to the mix the past few years. Uh, the Rangers like went out and spent a ton as well, but yeah, yeah. this is, this is to a new level. I, I agree. And it is somewhat reminiscent of of what things were like in the NBA.
0: Well, to your point, the Rangers essentially did that. And it's weird because like a DeGrom was supposed to be a part of that world series winning team last year. He barely True. played. They brought in Scherzer, who like didn't really pitch that well after they brought him in, but he was there, and the intent was for him to be a part of that as well. They had the big signings with Simeon and Seager and Eovaldi coming in. Not that he fits in with those guys, but he was a huge piece of their run. Um, and that turned into a World Series championship. So now you see the teams that have even deeper pockets looking at the Rangers and saying, what the hell, why don't we do the same thing? So yeah, I mean, I mean the potential with the Yankees now is pretty high. Um, and they're, they're, they're going to be heavily in the market for a guy like Yamamoto or or even um, some other top name guys like Jordan Montgomery, who knows um, Blake Snell, even maybe, I mean, he would be a great fit in New York. Um, it's, very imposing, the thought of it for a Red Sox fan who are our highlight acquisition so far this winter is Tyler O'Neill. No hate to Tyler O'Neill, I think he'll fit great in Boston. I'm just waiting for us to do something, and I imagine you feel even worse, which, well, I, which I'm sorry. <laughs> well, our highlight acquisition, I actually
1: like them the. the one kind of splash move the pirates have made. I, I actually thought the Marco Gonzalez signing was our best move was not our best move, but was, was a good move, but that's our, that's our splash move compared that to signing Otani or, or, or trading for Juan Soto. It doesn't really stack up. So I, I agree. Like it speaks to a point I was going to bring up a little bit earlier and I won't touch too much on it because I know it's a, it's a point of contention with some fans of, of bigger market teams, but it's i just i wish baseball had a salary cap where the the playing field was a little bit more even because the thing is with with the Dodgers and like let's say the Yankees do re-sign Juan Soto after this and like let's say let's say oh what i kind of alluded to and what people are are not really giving credence to happens and the otani contract actually we look back on it 5 10 years and it doesn't live up to to the numbers that we see now it's not a huge deal in the end for the Dodgers They'll they still have the money and they're going to be able to rebuild, not even rebuild, like they'll just be able to go back deeper into their pockets and go still spend on somebody else. Whereas if a small market team does make a splash move like this and it doesn't work out, like they might be screwed for the next five, 10 years. That's that's the frustrating part about it. And, you know, as a fan of like a Pirates or an Orioles, even though they had a, a good year last year or like maybe a Rockies or somebody else that doesn't get the national recognition that the Dodgers and the Yankees do. You just know that you can never make a move like this. And it sucks that you can really never have the best player on your team, or you have to draft them and you can only have them for a couple of years. It's unfortunate. It's not the case in other sports, like like the uh, NHL or um, NBA or, or NFL. And I, that's just the unfortunate part about it as a fan. It's a perspective I have that I know not everybody does, but, my final, my final
0: takeaway on that and the salary cap push in baseball that I know will never happen. You're going to love hearing this. Then, um, Otani is not the only member of that trio to to be receiving huge deferrals. Uh, Betts is going to make 120 million dollars in deferrals from 2033 to 2044, and Freeman is going to make another 57 million during that span. So, in total. That's 177 plus 680, 780, uh, 857 million dollars. That's almost a billion in deferrals for the Dodgers. And they're not done yet. Like, wow. And they're gonna be
1: paying that to guys in 10 years down the road, whenever those deferrals are due. Those guys won't probably won't be playing for the Dodgers. No, I mean, they might be. They, they might, might not be out, playing at they all. They might just be out of baseball. Right. Right. So they're going to be they're going to be paying more to guys who aren't playing than small market teams like the Pirates or the A's or somebody like that are paying to guys that are actually playing. I, You know, that's the frustrating part about it. But they've got the capability to do it. The collective bargaining agreement allows for this. You know, power to them if, you know, it's not against the rules.
0: The NBA in-season tournament just wrapped up. Um, I sort of like joked about it last week that the Celtics got eliminated early and it felt like June already. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the Lakers, man, they won the whole thing. The the in-season tournament, I think, was really fun to pay attention to. I watched a lot of the games. Uh, We had the highest over ever in a professional NBA game happen and a hit between the Hawks and Pacers. Uh, that was a crazy game. Uh, both teams scored into the 150s, I believe. Uh, we also had some really high-level basketball being played from the Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton lit the world on fire for like three weeks. And I think he's he's here to stay. He, he might play his way into an all-NBA spot this year. Maybe not the first team, but I think certainly there's some consideration there for the second team, especially with making it to the finals of this tournament. Um, we sort of saw the Pelicans have a little bit of a moment, too, which we've been waiting for since Zion entered the league. And and there's been a lot of discourse about Zion this week. I'm not going to entertain that. I, I'm i not here to, like, shame an athlete for the way their body is. Zion is way more – he's a 100 times the athlete I'll ever be, so I don't really feel like I'm in a position to be, like, stop eating. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, plus, uh, if I lived in New Orleans, I'd be – stuff in my face with fine cuisine all the time anyways oh Uh, boys and beignets yeah yeah man oh my god, best gumbo i've ever had was out of a plastic cup in the streets of new orleans i swear um there was alligator in it i think too from from what i remember the guy told me i love gumbo i don't really know the ingredients but i just know it's good so good um but the lakers ended up winning this tournament uh that that final I think it was a real crazy experience to have these one-winner-take-all games in playoff fashion. You saw a lot more randomness occur because of it. Um, the Celtics kind of got eliminated as a result. We didn't have a healthy Kristaps Berzingis in that game, and, and that was part of the reason why, but there were other reasons too. Um, I'm not trying to make this about the Cs right now. the The biggest thing with the tournament, though, was just the fact that LeBron ends up adding another thing to his legacy and I joked like a week before the final it would just make sense if LeBron won the first NBA season NBA in-season tournament it's not something I want to happen it would just make sense (laughs) and of course it happens um you saw the championship experience of him and, and AD and um the remnants of what was left there from that title team a few years ago kind of piece it together and and lock back into that mentality AD had, like, 40 points, 20 boards in the final, which was crazy. Like, I – a lot of the the conversation about this tournament was, are teams actually going to celebrate it if they win? And they did. And it wasn't, like, some small market, no-money team celebrating. It was the Lakers, who are tied for the most titles in NBA history. Like, this was a core NBA franchise adding something else – to their rafters and they are going to have a banner for it too, by the way, they announced they're having a a banner unveiling ceremony. I think today's Tuesday. I think they're unveiling it Wednesday. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong. Um, It's crazy, man. I, LeBron's legacy keeps on growing. He's such a huge part of this era of the game and, and the stories that are going to be told about him and, and what he's done for the game. Are going to be in that same lexicon as as MJ and, and other guys like that, and um, some people might even hold him higher than that. A lot of people do. He's he's up there with me. Uh, I'm not going to rank my top five greatest players right now, but did you tune into to, to much of the tournament at all? I
1: caught I caught a little bit of uh, some of the highlights of the um, of the last game. Not not much. I'm not the biggest NBA guy, but I, I do. I'm interested to hear you say that you think that this is a significant feather in LeBron's cap and and another thing to add to his legacy because when I first heard about the in-season NBA tournament I kind of questioned how seriously it would be taken um and I guess how much players would care about it and it seems from your point of view at least that players have really taken it seriously and that this is something that the NBA can build on, which I think is great because I know that its main goal, or at least its initial goal, was to prevent the load management and get good quality players playing throughout the course of the season, not taking rest days periodically, which is good for the fans that are going there to see them and watch them them play. So that was the most interesting thing for me to hear from you, that you think it's a legitimate thing that you know, they'll talk about when it's all said and done for LeBron. I personally think that he is the best who I've ever played this game. I didn't get to watch Michael Jordan. LeBron's the all-time point leader. And for me, my opinion of LeBron was cemented when he took that nothing Cavaliers team that actually got swept by the by the Warriors. I couldn't name one other person on that that team. The year that they lost to the Warriors 4-0, and he just carried them through the playoffs, beat the beat your Celtics. On the road, I believe they were down 3-2 and ended up uh, winning that series to to head on to uh, then face Golden State, who did sweep them. He is phenomenal in all facets of the game. He's he's evolved his game. I think both he can play you know, point guard. He can really do anything. He can shoot now. So it's phenomenal. It's good to hear that you you think that this is a legitimate thing that everybody's taken seriously, and I hope that that continues because I think that NBA fans deserve to see a quality product from start to finish. And I don't think that we were getting that in the previous years.
0: Well, I would say initially some of it had a little bit to do with load management, but it wasn't like the whole goal of the tournament. It wasn't really, it was part of it. It was, it was to make the regular season more enticing and more watchable. You want more eyes on the product during the regular season. And Part of that goes with yes, guys playing, which you would think more of them would do in in the tournament, but not everybody did. Like the Nuggets kind of rested some players. Um, the Celtics, I like. I think if it was a playoff series, Porzingis probably plays in that game, but he didn't in the in-season tournament game. Um,
1: do these wins and losses count towards the overall standings and the records at the end of the year? I think or is so. It
0: I think so. I think they were doing it in a weird way, though, where like no matter what you still play 82 games where like if you advance to the in-season tournament you get other games marked off your schedule or something i still don't really understand it i just know that by the end of it every team is going to have 82 games counting t- towards their schedule you don't get like extra wins regardless. got you but so a
1: win in this tournament is is still a win it's yeah. going to go on your ledger
0: okay i'm, I'm pretty sure yeah um okay. the to your point I don't even know if the players knew if the players were going to take it seriously. Like I remember going through a lot of podcasts, a lot of NBA players have their own podcast, which I I think is really cool actually that like NFL and and MLB guys have started to sort of lean into it, but it definitely the genesis of that was with Draymond in the NBA and and other NBA guys have, have taken over that uh, approach as well. And I remember uh, listening to, I think it's uh, Paul George's podcast. I forget who else he does it with. But he was talking about, like, I don't know how the how the tournament's going to go. I don't know how people are going to take it. I don't know how it's going to be coached. And then as the game started progressing, when you got towards the end of the um, uh, the initial, like, opening round-robin portion of the tournament, you saw that teams really started to take it seriously. Like, the minutes were being uh most teams were doing their minutes for their players as if it was a playoff series where you're seeing like 8 9 man rotations out there sometimes even less 7 8 man rotations you you certainly saw like 7 8 guys in the final out there and then you go to um like lebron's giving the effort that he is the the, the pacers um when they're getting close to advancing to that final game all the guys on their bench are going crazy because a lot of guys on those bench aren't don't make on their salary what they're going to win if the Pacers end up making it and winning the, the the final. So I think it did end up mattering to these guys. I don't think it's going to be a thing where later down the road, people are like, oh, well, so-and-so won five in-season tournaments and so-and-so won three in-season tournaments. Like, I don't think it matters that much, but I think you do have to talk about it a little bit. Like, I, I think it is important because – at the end of the day, like, you saw how a guy like LeBron treated it. You saw – now, maybe that's just his competitive, like, mentality. That's just who he is. But I thought it was a lot more, like, just reflecting what it meant to the players playing in it. I, I don't think it was uh, – the, these guys weren't fooling themselves. They knew it wasn't the NBA Finals, but it was still a tournament in the NBA to win, you know, and it was the first time it ever happened. You're setting the precedent for how – this is going to be approached here on out afterwards. And I think had the Pacers won that tournament, you would have seen the people of Indianapolis going crazy. Like they've never won a title before. How do you think they're going to react? They might even have a freaking parade. I don't know. I mean, I I don't, I don't think they would. (laughs) That's probably a little far fetched, but I think they would do, a little bit more than what the Lakers are doing, which is unveiling a banner and, and saying, we're going to leave more room on this banner for the tournaments we hope to win in the future. Um, I love the tournament. I-, I think that this isn't the final version of how we'll see it being presented. I think they'll make changes in how they do it next year. Um, maybe adjusting a little bit of how the tiebreakers are done in the opening rounds. Um, what the rewards are, if you win, like. Maybe it ties into playoff seeding at the end of the year. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Personally, I would rather it not give you an automatic playoff spot because I think it would give a team like the Lakers an advantage where now that you have a playoff spot with like uh, still like 50-something games left to go, you can just do nothing for the rest of the year. Like we still have to play uh, three-fourths of the NBA season. You can't just like – that wouldn't maybe, be fair. Maybe move it
1: past the halfway mark or do something like that. Yeah. You know, so it's so it's like you're still maybe most of the season is is pretty much finished, and you put your hard effort throughout the majority of the season. But this, then, you could still clinch playoff spot maybe later in the year.
0: I would. I think it's a good spot right now. I, I wouldn't necessarily. If you move it a little bit later, you're trying to do it and fit it in between Christmas and New Year's, and NBA Christmas is like its own sort of thing. I don't think that'll ever change. But I think like New Year's, like having the NBA finals in Vegas and New Year's could be crazy. Like that's a that's an awesome marketing opportunity, you know, um, and could be a lot of fun for the guys, too. So
1: you mean the end season tournament on New Year's? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The end, you yeah. said you said NBA finals.
0: Oh, well, my bad. I meant yeah. the end season tournament. You gotcha. Know, thank yeah. you.
1: Thank you. Of course. Where would
0: I, where would I be without you without a co-host? That's right. Really I'm trying, great.
1: man. I'm trying. I don't know much about the NBA, but I know that the finals are played in June,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, I'm a fan of this, and I kind of want more of it. like when the tournament ended, I was a little bit sad that um I wasn't going to have this kind of this brand of basketball played again for a while. So I hope they do more things like this um and I'm excited to see if at the end of the year and the actual NBA playoffs, we have what happened in this tournament reflect that a little bit. Like if, if the Pacers get real frisky at the end of the year and, and make a deep playoff run, we're going to look back on this and say, Oh, okay. Like we should have paid more attention to this, you know? Um, so that's just something I'm looking at. Uh, we're going to move on to our next topic. Still in the NBA, uh, not quite as, um happy subject to talk about i guess at least for for the team we're mentioning the Destro- the detroit pistons currently are on a 20 game losing streak uh they haven't won a game since october 28th of this year and since then the san antonio spurs the washington wizards and detroit pistons are a combined 4 for 56 so that's like almost 2 months ago These teams have gone a combined four and 56 in that span. Um, None of them are very good teams. Uh, Cade Cunningham, Victor Wembanyama. I feel for you. I don't really feel for any of the guys in the Wizards. Uh, I don't really care about Jordan Poole or or Kyle Kuzma. They're divas. They belong together on a really bad team. Um, The Wizards, by the way, might be moving out out of D.C. Did you see that?
1: I did, yeah. Not just them, but the Capitals as well. Yeah, and the Like to Northern Virginia. I mean, but I guess, yeah, you wouldn't call them the Washington Wizards or the Washington Capitals anymore.
0: So are you going to call them the, the Nova Caps now? I don't think you can do that. Uh, it depend.
1: it. I, I think the, uh, Arlington, the Arlington Wizards? Arlington, Arlington would have a good ring to it.
0: That's No, that doesn't sound good. I think it would. I think they should just keep – I think this is going to be like a a New York Jets, New York Giants thing where the name stays the exact same. The team just doesn't play where the name says they are.
1: It could be, but I, I, I like, I kind of like the ring of Arlington, like just, you know, because Arlington National Cemetery and everything there and like the Arlington Capitol is very patriotic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think it'd be a good thing to kind of play off, but.
0: Some would say patriotic. Some would say, well, it's patriotic. Yes. I'm not trying to insult our nation's history, but that's, a, that's like a cemetery too. It's a little morbid. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I, I fact, know. that's I where say- your brain went first is a little like, I was thinking of uh the ballpark in Arlington. I thought of the Texas Rangers first, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 20-game losing streak makes me think of I don't think you were actually no, we on that first club baseball team, you and I were on, we had a pretty long losing streak. I think it was like 12 games. I don't think it was 20. And that felt like a that felt pretty rough. But 20 games, imagine what it feels like to lose 20 straight games. That's pretty, that's gotta be brutal.
1: I've never lost that many in a row, but I've had winless seasons playing like Pop Warner football before. Like I've been on 0-9 and 9 teams and you just show up to either the field or in this case, the, the arena expecting to lose. Like I guarantee, like I see some young names on here in this list. Like you mentioned Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, as well. Like those guys I'm sure are just probably showing up expecting to lose. And it's, it's tough that that's kind of their job right now and that they're just – There, kind of collecting a paycheck and you know willing to take the beat down i hope things turn around for the pistons because i've certainly rooted for teams that have been the doormat of their respective sports but i it's it's tough man it's a it's a far cry from the bad boys
0: it's a pretty huge come down to earth too for monty williams the head coach of the pistons who uh just a few years ago was coaching the end the phoenix suns in the nba finals against the Milwaukee Bucks and now like he's the head coach of the worst team in the league. Um just weird, man. And and we're doing the draft lottery now too, so like all these teams could have very similar odds at yeah, the end yeah, of the year guaranteed. towards getting the yeah, next the, pick. this
1: craft fest isn't even guaranteed to get him the number 1 overall pick.
0: Right, exactly. Um Major League Baseball, by the way, used the draft lottery for the first time this year. That was a big uh, subject, at least around these parts, because in Columbia, the Columbia Fireflyers are a Kansas City Royals team. The Royals by far had the worst record in baseball last year, and I think they're drafting like sixth. So like they're not even going to get one of the five best picks when it's not like they were trying to be bad last year. They just were, you know, um, well, I don't
1: mind it because it got the Pirates the number one overall pick. <laughs> uh, not this patchy area. Not this lottery, but the one before. And of course we got Paul Skeens, the next Cy young pitcher. Maybe yeah, but
0: but that could work for you the opposite way. It could have worked for you the exact opposite way too. Imagine if you got like rather be lucky than good, man.
1: Rather be lucky than good.
0: Like I think I saw the Cincinnati Reds got the the second or third pick, which is they were almost a playoff team last year. That's pretty crazy to me. Um yeah,
1: baseball baseball, I think it makes a lot more sense to do. The, the lottery because the baseball draft isn't as significant as, as the other drafts. In fact, of the major sports, I'd say it's probably maybe hockey, I, I think isn't like that significant of a of a draft, but it's an absolute crap shoot. Like there are you, like Mike Trout went what 23rd or 24th overall, like the guy who's going number one overall is probably not going to be the best player drafted in that, in that class where, and it, and it's just, not a slam dunk of a pick it's such a crapshoot to even figure out whether the guy that you pick is going to make it to the majors like i think only twice in my lifetime have there been slam dunk no doubt this guy's going to be a stud number one overall picks and the guys i'm referring to are bryce harper and steven strasburg and i think you can make an argument that both of neither of them well harper is probably the best in his class but Strasburg, Strasburg. World Series he was a big part of that yeah but he's not he's not the best he's not the best player that went in that draft he won a he World was, Series but he was
0: the best player on that World Series winning team though when they won it is what I would say yeah that's yeah, fair he, I think Soto would have been in that list too but without Strasburg they don't win it yeah he's a great player but like there are guys behind him there draft- Nolan
1: Arenado and uh and Michael and Mike Trout were were drafted in that class I believe like those guys have had better careers that's all I'm saying I gotcha
0: yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong um number five our fifth down I we kind of skipped mentioning two and three it doesn't matter but we we covered them <laughs> uh number five the devito family tommy devito the new york giants man yeah it's a beast tommy cutlets like- manja
1: manja on those cutlets tommy. he's
0: italian <laughs> Dude, I love this guy. I can't get enough of the the DeVito content. It's crazy. Um, that was a fun game last night, too. Monday night had some good games with it. Um, but the DeVitos are, like, all over my TV. Anytime Tommy's making a play, they're showing his dad, who looks like he's, like, three kegs deep. and then you've got the agent there with him too who's dressed like a mobster like a cartoon mobster with all these outfits I can't get enough of it dude it's it's like pure classic New York New Jersey Italian people and the kid is living in his he's living with his parents he's living in his mom's friggin basement or something and he's the starting quarterback of his boyhood favorite football team and they're winning And he's like a big reason why it's crazy. And I I love it. I hate the giants. Normally they, my team has been personally victimized by them a couple of times. And still this is my favorite story right now in in sports. And um, I'm a big Tommy DeVito fan. I just love the story, man. It feels very like blue collar America. Um, More people should be latching onto it. I think for sure.
1: It's feel good, no doubt.
0: I mean, yeah. as a fellow as a fellow
1: Italian, I I I can't help but root for a, for another paisan. But um, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and it's good that his family's soaking up the glory too, because you never know how long it's going to last. I, I mean, it's a good story right now. I'm not. I don't want to rain on the parade or anything. I think you're a little bit higher on DeVito than I am, but this this won't last forever. So it's good that they're soaking this up while they can right now. And I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that they were saying that um, he's yeah, he's talking about his mom's cooking. I heard this the other day. I think it was maybe on Scott Van Pelt or something. But his mom hasn't had a lot of time to cook lately just because they've been so busy. They've been going to these tailgates and everything. And everybody from the neighborhood's been bringing over food. That's that's classic Italian, man. We we love to eat manja manja all the time. Um, Good for him, dude. I thought the agent thing was slightly over the top with with the way he was. He was dressed, but it's still funny. Oh, that's just how that's
0: just how he is. Like, there's pictures of him from like for like forever. This is just who the guy is.
1: <laughs> Nuts, man. I, I love that I love that he's buying into it. DeVito's buying into the whole living at home thing and, and Tommy Cutlets, baby. Tommy Cutlets.
0: When he when he threw the um when he threw that touchdown earlier in the game, like on the run in the back corner of the end zone, they they shot a they threw up a shot. ESPN did of the agent and the dad just jumping up and down doing the selling.
1: <laughs> yeah, his dad's great.
0: Dude, it's like the. I, I love them, man. I love it. And I I like the memes of those characters are just endless. Like if you scroll through Twitter, you can have yourself a, a day of entertainment just by going through DeVito family memes. It's awesome. um I think there's a chance though that he does stick around as the Giants QB. I, I would say it's. The chances of him being the starting quarterback for the Giants next year, I think they're greater than zero at this point. And I would say they're greater than like I wouldn't say it's higher than like 50%, but I think it's higher than like 15 or like 20, maybe. I would go twenty.
1: Uh I would not. I would I would put this at maybe non zero, but I I'd put this below. Five percent for well, sure. Why?
0: Why? Why? Why do? Why do you think? Patrick, I mean, they're
1: paying over thirty million dollars a year to a first-round draft pick. In so Daniel somebody Jones. else
0: can pay him that money. They can trade him.
1: No one's going to take on that contract, man. They're they're going to stick with the guy. Have you seen how high draft
0: quarterbacks have gone down this year to injury, and how many other quarterbacks stink? Somebody's going to take Daniel Jones. Not with that contract, man. None somebody shot. will. Somebody will. There's no like, or at the very least, somebody will take Devito. Like one of those two that,
1: guys, that you might, that you might be on to. I, he, he's still at the end of the day, like going to start as a backup.
0: You can't on, trade on that kid team. though. Like the, the heart that, that the city has for him, the giants fan base, like they, it'll feel fade.
1: Not, I'm sorry, but it'll, it'll fade. Dude. Like it, like it is great. I, I like the story right if now. They
0: keep but, winning games. Do you think you can't shut it down? If they keep winning this year, What if he guides them to a playoff spot? They're like one game out of a playoff spot right now.
1: If he guides them to a playoff spot, I still think they go back to Daniel Jones next year. And I think that they're able to pawn him off for like a a fifth, sixth round pick, something like that. And say, look, here's a a guy that you can have as a backup on your roster that's capable of winning you some games if your starter goes down. Let's keep in mind, Tommy DeVito was undrafted, okay? Every NFL team passed on him. It's a great story. Same
0: thing happened to Brock Purdy. He was the last pick of the draft.
1: Sure did, but Tommy DeVito ain't no Brock Purdy. We'll talk about Brock Purdy.
0: <laughs> I mean, but, hey, like if you look at the stats, right? Just comparing him and Danny Danny Nichols, who I'm gonna start calling him instead of Danny Dimes. Um, so I I wanna I wanted to wait another week to do this because even though DeVito's played in six games, he's only started five, whereas uh Jones has started six, he didn't finish six games, right? So I guess it works. But uh completion percentage is pretty similar. Uh DJ is 67.5% on 160 attempts, whereas DeVito is 65.9% on 126 attempts. So you give him another like game or two, and they'll have a similar number of pass attempts. I would expect DeVito's completion to p- percentage to be slightly lower, but not by much. I don't think it's gonna like hop Jones's by a lot, but I don't think it's gonna be like much worse than it is now either. Uh, he's only 54 yards behind him. So his average yards per attempt is over a whole yard higher. Their rushing stats are very similar. 40 carries for 206 yards and Tuddy for uh, Jones, 31 carries and 151 yards for a touchdown for DeVito. But then just their the other passing numbers two touchdowns six picks for for Daniel Jones eight touchdowns three picks for DeVito he's a better thrower of the football it's that simple like their running stats their running games is similar jones is a bigger guy but he's getting hurt. he's the one that's hurt right now not devito like i don't think there's we we debated the Trubisky uh Picket thing last week, and you said you don't see much of a difference between them. I don't think there's much of a difference between these two guys either. To me, they're like pretty much the same, and I would say DeVito might be a little bit better. Honestly, the team rallies around him more. I, I mean, their O line is the same as it was when they stunk earlier in the year. Their coach is the same, the receivers are the same, the running backs the same, the defense is the same, the quarterbacks different, and they're winning games. So that's my argument for Giants fans. As a Patriots fan, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe it.
1: You can you can look at the numbers just in a small sample size and look at what they've done this year and just look at that and yeah, it's comparable if you just look at it in that small of a cylinder. But yeah. let's keep in mind Daniel Jones led this Giants team to a playoff win on the road last year against you know, the Tommy, Vikings. Tommy Tommy, Tommy undefeated. It's a playoff win, game. man.
0: Yeah, it's a playoff
1: it's a playoff win, dude. It's nothing to take away from. He went on the road to do it too. That Vikings team wasn't as good as their record last year, but they're still a good quality football team that won their division. Tommy DeVito has played what, five, six games? I mean, we saw how how fall, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but like Josh Dobbs, who we were hyping up just a couple weeks ago, has fallen from grace pretty quickly. The exact same thing can happen here with DeVito is all, is all I'm saying and I'm cautioning. I, I love the story while it's happening, but take that into account and then also consider some of the opponents that he's beaten. Like the Commanders are nothing to to write home about, and then uh, who the else Packers
0: did, were going to be a Packers aren't the bad, term.
1: but who did they beat last week? I'm I'm blanking on it. Um, I'll, the Pats, be, the Pats, yeah, Pats, right? And it's not like they like this past game was solid. They put up over twenty points, but it's not like they were a juggernaut. You know, they only
0: scored what ten points against the Patriots, and they might the not have even won. Is pretty nasty though. They scored thirty against the Commanders. They the Patriots defense has been good. I, I'm not. It has been, but even against that. a
1: good NFL defense, you should still be scoring more than ten points. Like that's never that's never going to be enough. And you could make the argument that if your kicker had just made a chip shot field goal, it would have gone into overtime, and Devito might not have even won. Yeah. Compare that to some of the guy, some of the teams that Danny Dimes had to face when in the early portion of the year, like had to face Miami, had to face Dallas. Uh, I believe San Francisco was in there as well. The, it's just a little bit of tougher competition. I'm all for it, dude. I think that this can get DeVito paid as a backup quarterback after his three-year deal in New York is up. But New York's not, New York's not going to look at the six game sample size and abandon the guy they
0: spent a first round pick on and just gave a massive contract to. Well, their next four games are against the saints, Eagles, Rams, and then the Eagles again.
1: So but they could easily be zero four in that stretch.
0: They could, but what Very if they're easily. not? What if they're not? What if they go like, Two and two, or like three and one. I'm not. I'm not saying I think they will, but what if? You know. And to the last thing I'll say about the Daniel Jones thing: Yes, he won a playoff game last year, and then the next week he got beat by thirty against the Eagles. So I, I was went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. And they didn't win, and they're not going to win again this year. I don't see. I just don't think I was never really a huge Daniel Jones guy. Giants fans in our circles know this and I'm a feel good story lover too. So I, I would ride the hot hands. I love the DeVito kid. I, I hope he keeps playing. Well, I'm rooting for him. Tommy Cutlass
1: is going to send out a hitman on me for talking about him. All this. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll root for him. I'll root for him right yes. with you. Dude. Yes. I'll for him.
0: Finally. Ah, oh, I won you over. That's all I wanted. I mean, I still think Daniel Jones is better, but I'll root for DeVito nonetheless. All right, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, Would you say... Nah, never mind. We're not going to do that. We're not going to No, bring it on. Bring it on. Give it to me. I, I said in our group chat, I think Daniel Jones would make a lot of sense in Atlanta. I think he'd be a great fit there. He's like a way, way better version of Desmond Ritter. And you see a team like Atlanta, who's going to be in the playoff race. It's not like they're going to have a top pick. Sure. They could maybe get like Bo Nix. Maybe, maybe he won't be there by the time they get there, or they could trade up or they could trade and go and get a guy that already has experience. And I could totally see that deal happening in the offseason. season. I, I think he would fit in their run heavy scheme. He's got, I don't know, man. I just don't, I feel like,
1: I feel like even schematically, I think he fits. You're right. But when you factor in the contract, I don't like that's the, that's the big elephant in the room with Danny dimes and how much you're going to have to pay him. I also think that you might be, um, giving the Falcons a little bit too much credit in terms of where they're draft. They don't win the NFC South. They're going to have like a top 15 pick for sure. Somewhere between 10 and 15. I think that they could, Definitely get one of uh, the top quarterbacks that are coming out of this class. They'll certainly be in the discussion for it, and they'll take a stab at that before that they'll pay thirty million to to Danny Dimes. I think it's even more than that. I mean, in the coming years,
0: you look at the the draft. My old draft tracker uh, pulling up right now. Let me bring this up Uh, for the picks for next year. Where they're at right now, Atlanta would have the eleventh pick. If the season ended today, uh, they'll probably go up like another couple of spots. But if I look at the teams that are going to be picking ahead of them, or that would be picking ahead of them, like the Patriots need a quarterback, Vegas needs a quarterback. The jets need a quarterback like shit. Even the the, the giants might end up picking in the top 10. They might, they probably won't, but they could, um,
1: I don't think the Jets are going to spend a pick on a quarterback, at least not this year. If Aaron Rodgers is coming back, I think it makes more sense to build around him and get him a another lineman or somebody else to help him out.
0: Yeah, we saw how that worked this year.
1: <laughs> well, I, don't... I mean, he went down like the fourth play of the game. I think that they'd be doing better if, if he were still playing. You know, no... They're going to they're gonna look to max. They're going to look to make a pick to maximize talent around him for the couple years that they have him left. Not get a guy that will play after he's gone. You know. Yeah.
0: There's no shot he stays healthy for a full season again. I just maybe not.
1: Maybe not, but they they, you know, spent picks to get him and and they're paying him, so they're going
0: to invest in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh do you think you think the Packers still have a playoff shot? I'm kind of I lost a lot of faith in them after this game. As much as I love DeVito, I this was a game they should have won. And love wasn't great. He was good at in moments, but he missed some some throws pretty badly too agreed that this was a game that they should have won. Uh, I,
1: it hurts them for their playoff chances. I think that their run defense is horrendous. Yeah. I know that the Steelers gashed them a few weeks back when they played, I think the tally here shows that the giants rush for just about 200 yards, maybe even over 200 yards. And that's really detrimental. However, I did really want to highlight this point. So I'm glad you gave me the opportunity.
0: Jordan Love did.
1: Green, yeah, Bay, Green Bay
0: Green Bay's second most rushing yards allowed per game in the league.
1: There you go. I know I know that their rush defense is awful. And that 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 alone could keep them out of a playoff spot. I'm still giving them a chance. And I think I would still bet on him to make it. And here's why. Jordan Love didn't play his best ball by any means. You look at the stat line, it wasn't great. He made some mistakes. However, when it mattered the most at the end of the game, two minutes to go, just the, just about, he leads them down on a drive to give them the lead and he throws what would have been the game winning touchdown. If not for his defense, he throws that touchdown twice. Okay. I I think the first one went to Jaden Reed and the defender made a nice play on it, but you got to have stronger hands there. He's fading away on that throw makes a nice throw should have been a touchdown. And then he places a beautiful ball towards the, towards the pylon that's caught by, I forget the receiver's name, but it's right where it needs to be right on the goal line. He makes that throw twice. That spoke volumes to me because great quarterbacks, good quarter, really good quarterbacks even, find a way that in the most clutch moments to make their best plays, even if they haven't had a great game. Overall, it's not going to look great for love. I still stepped away thinking this guy, is going to be, this guy is going to be good. And I don't think a lot of people are saying that about Green Bay after this game. It's a game they should have won, yes. But if I'm a Green Bay fan, I really am still feeling confident in my young quarterback.
0: It was uh, Malik Heath by the way with the the game uh the would have been game winning touchdown reception for the packers um he was drafted out of Ole miss uh no i don't think he was drafted i think he's undrafted uh but he only has seven career receptions and that's that, pretty that, much that, like that everybody that was one of them
1: yeah dude this it's all first and second year guys that he's dealing with too
0: yeah it, they, the they're not going gonna... to the nfl They're not going to
1: really go anywhere this year. I I still give them a nice fighting shot to make the playoffs. I don't think that they'll make a push in it because they're not going to win their division. They're going to have to go on the road the whole time. But I said this last week, if this core continues to grow together, it's scary to think what they could evolve into next year and the year after. It's all about building blocks right now for them, learning facing adversity and learning how to deal with it. I think they've already done that to a degree, digging themselves out of an early hole this season, I think that they'll be able to bounce back from this bad loss.
0: All right, listeners submitted a request here. We're going to do a, a little cool segment. We're going to try to do something like this every week. Just shouting out to you guys for tuning in. Um, help you to learn a little bit about us. Paul and I are going to do our sports movie draft so we're going to list we're going to do our top five uh favorite sports movies each but we're going to be drafting them so uh there's a chance paul and i both might have to dip into our bags a little bit for sports movie knowledge but i I like the idea here um do you want to pick first or should i go first you can go first i can go first you're going to give me first dibs
1: i'll give you first
0: top five sports movie drafts okay um and what do I want to go with for my number one overall pick? My number one overall pick for sports movie draft. Um, man, I can't not pick the Sandlot. I feel like the Sandlot has to be one, right? Like you can't not. It's not necessarily my favorite, but it's the number one draft pick,
1: right? I have a hot take. I love, I do love the Sandlot. Don't get me wrong, but I have a hot, I think Bad News Bears is a better movie than the Sandlot.
0: Ooh, but that is yeah, a hot take man. it's a hot
1: take but I, I do love the sandlot i mean i mean how could you
0: not <laughs> big bad news bears guy yeah.
1: Huh? i am a big the original bad news bears
0: yeah definitely the yeah, original definitely the OG. the og The OG is good i will say um is that your next pick then or are you going with no no going?
1: no 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 no
0: okay well um, what's what's
1: yours then okay my i mean my first pick it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time I, I i'll take rocky i'll take rocky as my first pick um Ultimate underdog story. Just, I, it's just great, dude. Absolutely. The training montage is what's there not to love about Sylvester Stallone, ultimate cool guy. Yo, Adrian. So that's an easy, that's an easy first pick for me. And then I really, I don't know what I want. I'm going to take my number two pick. I'm picking it here because I do have it. As a slight edge over the pick that I want to take three, but you might take my third pick from me before it gets back around to me. But my number two pick is going to be Miracle, greatest oh, upset, greatest upset, it. greatest upset damn in sports it. history. 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Give me Miracle, Herb Brooks. Who do you play for, Mike Rizzioni, sir? Who do you play for, United States of America? Those are my top two. I'm I'm very happy with my first two picks.
0: I knew I should have taken Miracle 1 man. That was what I was debating between. Was between that and The Sandlot. Great fucking movie. I rewatched Made it the call, other man. night actually. I I like I rewatched that movie probably like once a month. It's one of my kind of favorite movies ever and it is my favorite sports movie. So excellent pick and I wish I I took it myself. Let's um, go. So now I've got the snake here. All right. I am I'm going to stick with baseball for my next one. Um for Love of the Game actually is, is like a classic sports movie of mine. That's my, probably my favorite baseball movie. And it's not like fully about baseball. Really. A lot of it has to do with like Kevin, the guy that Kevin Costner is playing his like Love Life and everything like that. But um, the, the way that they depict baseball in that movie is awesome. And how they sort of show what it's like to be an athlete where like when you're in the heat of the moment, the good ones can kind of block out everything else that's going on. There's a couple scenes in there where uh, I really like what they do there. And um, it's set in Yankee stadium. They actually got the Yankees broadcasters on, or they got Vin Scully to do the narration in the movie as well for like the the calls of the game, which is awesome. Um, Rest in peace, Vin Scully, one of my biggest uh, inspirations. So that would be my number two pick uh number three this is where it gets a little bit difficult for me and there's a few that i want to go to i'm sticking in baseball again and again i'm going with kind of an older movie but it's probably not the one you're thinking of i'm going with the natural uh featuring robert redford that's 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 another like top 10 movie for me and i i enjoy that movie better than um better than for love of the game like i'm a left-handed hitter the movie was essentially like a A little bit of like a reference to Ted Williams, sort of, uh, with Roy Hobbs. Like he wears number nine and everything. Um, Awesome movie. Awesome, awesome baseball movie. And I used to actually watch that final scene where he hits the home run before like any game I played in any sport. I would watch that last like five minute scene to try to get amped up. And it worked, except for when it didn't. (laughs)
1: you ever you ever hit the lights on a
0: home run once actually yeah once really um yeah and i wasn't expecting you to say yes there honestly (laughs) it was also in like our league championship game at the time which was crazy um yeah fun that was that's like my favorite baseball moment from when i played honestly good times uh that was i was like 16 17 then yeah yeah that was a long time ago um But yeah, yeah, I did that like once.
1: (laughs) Awesome, dude. Those those are two really good picks, uh, to be honest. What was your first one again? I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it. For Love of the Game. For Love of the Game, yeah. So
0: right now off the board, we have the Sandlot, Miracle, uh, Rocky, For Love of the Game, and The Natural. We each have two picks left. We can continue to do this snake style if you want, or we can alternate for these last two rounds.
1: I'm down to alternate for these last two because I'm I'm thinking, I know what I want to do with my, oh wait, no, I have two picks, right? So I have three more. Are we doing four or five? We're doing five each. Five each, okay. Um, I'm down to alternate. I know what I want for my third pick here. Um And then after that, I, I kind of want to see where you're going because it, it gets really dicey. My third one, I'm going to stick with baseball as well Um and another Kevin Costner baseball film. It is my I this might be my favorite sports movie of all time. It's close with Miracle and Rocky. But I it is definitely my favorite baseball movie of all time. Bull Durham, baby. Bull Durham is a phenomenal movie. I think it encapsulates exactly like what the game's all about. It talks about the superstitions of the game. Um, it is, it like really, really encapsulates what it's like to to be a baseball player. I think more than any other, more than any other um, baseball movie out there. Like the, the little nuances of the game and, and the things that people get hung up on like just my favorite scene in that one is uh, when they're uh, towards the end, when they're in the pool hall and Kevin Costner is talking to Tim Robbins character about the difference between making it to the show and being a minor league burnout is, is one extra ground ball with eyes, one extra dying quail a week. And like, that's the difference between you being a minor leaguer and you going to Yankee stadium, potentially that real, that's like what baseball is all about, man. It's a game of inches. It's, there's so much variance in it and it's, you know the little things can make the biggest difference. I think that that movie highlights it more than any other movie I've watched. So, Bold Durham is my pick number
0: three. Old Durham's a a great choice. That is not the game. That that's not <laughs> the other Kevin Costner movie I thought you were going to go with. So, I can't let Field of Dreams not get picked here. That's going to be my my fourth round choice. Kind of a travesty. It's going this late because a lot of people would probably I think older. Uh, sports fans would probably pick this first. Um, a lot would, but it's it's in my top five, and I'll go with Field of Dreams at four This this movie, I'll be honest, man. That like this movie makes me tear up a little bit at the end. The the scene of uh, Kevin Costner and like essentially playing catch with like the ghost of his dad. Makes hey, Dad, tear- want to have a catch? Yeah, that makes me tear up. That makes me tear up. Great movie.
1: Yeah. field of dreams is a classic. Um, so the next one, since I kind of see where you're going with some of this, and it's not, you're not going solely off with maybe, you know, your top five, but you're, you're kind of factoring in national opinion and everything like that. I would definitely have this next movie I'm going to mention on the cusp of my top five personally, but I think that it deserves to be drafted regardless of where I have it in my own personal rankings. I think, um, Remember the Titans deserves a shout, so I'm gonna I'm gonna draft. Remember the Titans there. Great. Right um, ultimate story about high school team from Alexandria, Virginia, uh, coming together. Um, Schools desegregating out there, and everybody rallying behind the uh, the high school football team to um, that ends up winning a state championship. Not uh, spoilers there. True story. Uh, great cast of characters. A lot of iconic scenes from from that movie as well. Got a little bit of comedic element here and there, but great all around movie. I'll go remember the Titans for pick number four.
0: Awesome movie. I, I Had you not picked it, I would have really considered it for my fifth. Um, I was kind of thinking in different direction, but I do love that movie and I watch it. I rewatch it quite a good bit. Um, did you know that the state championship game that they had in the movie actually was not the state championship game that they had in real life, that that was just like the closest game they played all year. So they took like that school and used it as a state championship game. When in reality, they won their state championship game by like 30 or 40 points or something.
1: I I didn't know that specifically, but I I was aware that, um, that they crushed everybody. Like I, I, I didn't know that that's like who they played that wasn't necessarily the team they play in the championship, but I know like when they show earlier in the, in the movie about how some of the games were close before the team had really rallied to get, and come together as one. I, I knew that that was, that was wrong. Like they absolutely, I knew they absolutely obliterated everybody that they played. Yeah. But That is a nice little tidbit. I've actually played at, um, I played baseball on the high school field of, I want to say it's Hayfield, which is one of the schools that they play in the first or second week Mm. of of the movie it's it's one of the teams they had like orange colors that's a real high school I, and i played like a baseball tournament there one time a little tidbit
0: the hayfield capitals slash wizards
1: i don't remember what they're
0: no what they're, i was uh... i was referencing the uh the capitals and wizards moving to northern virginia oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
1: dude since you shot down Ar- <laughs>
0: since you shot down arlington show the, so much <laughs> the hayfield wizards <laughs> um all right my last pick Uh, Favorite sports movies There's a lot of different directions I could go for this And I think we may We may have to list a couple honorable mentions After you make yours Uh, I don't think this is I don't think this is the movie you're thinking of and it's a great movie. So I'm about to be really proud of it. The greatest game ever played golf movie featuring. Oh, uh-huh. great one,
1: dude. I should have thought about that earlier. That absolutely belongs on this list. Great awesome golf.
0: movie, dude. I'm not like you. S- <laughs> Some people who will listen to this have seen me play golf. I'm not a big golf guy. All right. I'm not good at golf. I don't pretend to be. Most of the time, I don't even know which hand I hit with. I do now, but I didn't used to. Um awesome movie though like Shia LaBeouf this is one of my favorite roles that he's done I think it does an awesome job of showing like there's a ton of good actors in there good actresses too and this movie does a phenomenal job of showing like what the American dream was for someone a hundred plus years ago who wanted to to be an athlete or who wanted to be the best at, at whatever his game was and um Francis we met a true story the whole thing you can go back and look it up um that that has some incredible rewatch value for me that's that's in my top five for sure
1: that's such a good pick man because it's not everybody can relate to winning uh because that that was the british open right Uh, no
0: it was the u.s open u.s US open Open. it Um, was the only reason why he was able to do it was because the tournament was occurring like in his own town basically he was from massachusetts and it was got somewhere in in the area gotcha been a while since i watched it so i couldn't remember that deep
1: detail not everybody can where i was going with that is not everybody can relate to to winning the us open but i think everybody can relate to to being an underdog and 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 like that encapsulates it and just absolutely giving the the best and all that you can i love underdog stories um you know i mentioned rocky is one of my first picks that's this is a great one i hadn't seen that movie in a while i'll have to go back and and rewatch it too. It's, it's hard not to root for Shia LaBeouf and his little caddy. I forget the the caddy's name and, and, and that one, but his, his little buddy there. Um, uh, yeah. That's a phenomenal pick, man. That should have gone earlier. Great right? call. I would have, I would have forgotten about it had you not mentioned it. I was Great saving
0: call. it because I knew you weren't going to think of it. I was saving yep. it. It's
1: Good not call. mainstream
0: enough, but it should be.
1: Good call. Oh boy. You've got a um, tough
0: choice here now. I feel like there's a lot of ways you could go with this.
1: So, um, our listeners are probably going to crucify me for this, but, uh, I got, I, I want to throw this out there because this is a movie that I think a lot of people would have on their top five sports movies, but I've never actually seen this movie start to finish. Uh, I've never seen Hoosiers start to finish and I Neither feel like, I. I feel like a lot of people would definitely put that on their list, but I can't cause I haven't seen it all the way through.
0: I haven't seen it all the way through either. So I might throw on Hoosiers tonight as I'm editing this podcast. But
1: um I am going to go with another basketball movie. And I don't think that this would be on everybody's radar. I I I'm gonna go glory road. Um I cool. love Glory Road. Uh Great for anybody's out there. It's about uh the Texas Western uh, run to national championship 1965 Texas Western team um that also similar to my, uh, talking about, remember the Titans that, that college team, um, black players and white players played, to, played together on the same team. First time in school history that happened. And it was the first time ever that team started an all black, um, starting lineup. I believe it was in the championship game for that first time in NCAA history that had ever happened. And that team, um, kind of came out of a small conference. They're now known as university of Texas, El Paso. So that's yeah. why, for those of you, um, who are, are not aware of the term Texas Western or the school name, Texas Western, that's where, that's what the school is called now. Uh, but they go on to win the national championship that year over Kentucky. And the, that movie highlights their Again, similar to remember the Titans the team coming together school, everybody rallying behind them and their, their run towards the title. So I don't think that would be maybe on everybody's list, but I love glory road. I think it's a, it's a great movie. And so I'll make it my final
0: pick. So this past March was the 57th anniversary of them, of that UTEP team winning uh, the national title against Kentucky. And um, they also uh, celebrated the life of Willie Cager, who uh, passed away, actually, who who was a big part of that team. He was Mm -hmm. the guy who had the the heart issues. Yep. Uh, He passed away earlier that year died at the age of 81 in El Paso. He spent his whole life there after his basketball career ended. Um, great, great story, man. And an awesome basketball movie. When you said basketball, honestly, that was kind of where I, I was hoping you went with it, to be honest. Because that's, it's one of my favorite basketball movies, for sure.
1: For sure. Um,
0: yeah, I I think I would definitely have
1: it in my personal sports top five. Um, I I just don't, I don't know how mainstream or how well known of a movie that is. So I, I, But I encourage our our listeners out there, if you haven't seen it, um, go check it out. It's a good film.
0: I bet it's more well-known than you think.
1: I hope. I hope it's a great story. And I love college basketball, so I appreciate it.
0: Do you want to know a movie that I thought about naming and am really glad I didn't, but I considered it for a hot second? Cars. (laughs) Well,
1: (laughs) Cars cars is in its own category. You know I love Cars, but...
0: It's not even like... Like I don't think it counts, but like it's it's sports, sorta right. It's it's cars racing. It's, it's car NASCAR, I guess. Right, the animated no, version really. thereof. I don't no. know. It's a great great movie, man. Cars. Um, Friday Night Lights didn't make the list. Any given Sunday didn't make the list. Any given Sunday, I actually feel kind of bad about snubbing, but I don't think. I think all the movies that I listed, I definitely would have picked over it. Um, still.
1: Um, Moneyball Money Ball deserves an honorable mention for me too i i think I think that that movie with that one, I think it needs to just age a little bit more um, some of the other movies we talked about are a little bit older have a have built up a little bit more of a reputation
0: no that's a great that's a great sports movie too at one of my being... favorites uh the Fighter is a good one absolutely christian bale. And uh, Mark Wahlberg, the Mighty Ducks, old school would even be another one I would throw in there. If like you know, I'm not a, I'm not a
1: huge Mighty Ducks fan. That's another hot take of mine. I it's, think it's a rip. I think it's just a rip off of Bad News Bears. It's just the same story, just in a different sport.
0: Yeah, it's not for everybody. Um, the one sport, the one movie, I feel like people w- might eviscerate us for not mentioning is um, Rudy. I feel like people will be really upset. Neither of us picked Rudy because that's that's also a classic. So I had Rudy on my list
1: initially, and I'm a huge Notre Dame fan too. So I, I really considered putting it on there, but, and not to ruin Rudy for anybody who does love it out there, but the way that that story is depicted really is not factual. It's not true. Like it's not um, the, I mean, Rudy was carried off the field and everything, but Joe Montana has actually described it because he was on that Notre Dame team that, that Rudy was on there and that's depicted in that film. It was really kind of done more as a gag or a joke than it was taken seriously. And so the movie, I don't think the movie really highlights the actual um reality or, of the uh, situation. Or reality. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. give the correct feel of how things actually were with uh with that team and and with Rudy Rudy gear. So that's why I left it off for that. Kind of coming to that realization over the past few years hearing some of the stories that
0: I have. Wait, was was Vince Vaughn playing Joe Montana in that movie? Is that who Vince I, Vaughn was playing? I, I, I'm
1: not – he might have been. I'm I'm not sure if Joe Montana was the starter that year or if he was just on – No,
0: it says he was playing like Jamie Red, O'Hara. Huh. I was just – I just had a thought. Oh, yeah, what. wasn't O'Hara the running back? Yeah, he was. So I was wrong.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was playing Montana. Directly. I don't know if Montana actually – I don't know if Montana actually played on that – like, like he was on the team, but I don't know if he was playing yet. Right, he might have been redshirted or something like that. But I know he was on the team. He was, he was
0: there. Would you put Invincible over Rudy then as an NFL movie? Like a that that sort of kind of. Have you seen that?
1: Yes, I've I've seen Invincible. Invincible does belong over Rudy.
0: Okay. Okay. I, given the new information you've brought to light, I don't necessarily disagree and- with you.
1: Invinci- Invincible is a great story too. I I, I think Invincible because it's like it's like this, it's a similar type of thing, but I think I think uh, the story of Vince Papali is like more real than than how they depict um Rudy. I also I also like how the the one thing I really love about Invincible is when they're they're in the scene, um Vince is talking to his dad his dad's talking about how, because I think his mom, Vince Papali's mom, passed away due to due to some illness, maybe lung cancer or something like that. And not a very wealthy family anyway, to begin with. Um, blue collar type uh, family and depiction there in, in Philly. And his dad's talking about how the NFL championship that the Eagles won back before it was even called the Super Bowl, I think they beat the Cardinals, Seven to nothing or something. He was talking about how that got him through all of the all of the days at at work, all of the struggles with his his mom or his wife's health, and I that that was like a great depiction of how like how a city can rally around an NFL team. I think that they showed that in a great light in the movie how people were able to rally behind this ordinary guy Vince Papali. I I thought that that came across and hit home way way
0: better than than like what Rudy did. Agreed. Great story. Um, awesome, man. I, I like both of our top fives. I think, um, I think those are some solid takes. I think, I think folks will rock with us. Um, I will, I'll make a graphic of that. People so will be able to see it. Do you feel like we missed any movies if we didn't cover? Feel free to add those in there or drop your top five. Um, Paul, this is, this has been fun. Man, we're gonna we're gonna reconvene next week on this and and hopefully there's gonna be some more NFL drama to go with it. But uh you got anything else you want for for the lovely listeners? No, I, I enjoy talking movies.
1: So I mean keep keep the movie requests coming. I I, I could talk movies almost as well as I could talk sports. I, I hope that people out there think I talk sports well, but um I love talking movies as well. I could I we could get deep into that. So keep the movie drafts coming.
0: I'm right there with you, brother. I'm in the words of uh the Lonely Island, in that one song, a major cinephile, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, not
1: really, to be honest with you, went over my head a little bit.
0: Go look up Jack Sparrow by The Lonely Island, and then you'll understand. Okay. it's a gotcha, then you'll understand. Um, anyways, <laughs> uh, fifth and long fans, thanks for tuning in, men. Uh, you can catch this episode on Twitter. Instagram, YouTube—we're on all the socials now. You can find us at Fifth and Long Pod on most of them. Uh, Fifth and Long on Twitter, Fifth and Long Pod on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, got a lot of awesome things coming for y'all in the near future. We have a lot more growth on the way as well. So stick around, drop us your feedback from this episode, and thank you, and thank you, Kamish, for stopping in and 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 doing all this. Um,
1: thank you, Patrick. Thanks to all our listeners out there for keeping us going.
0: All right. Thanks to Kamish. Thanks to you folks for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Catch us around next week. And be sure to find us on socials, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine yards. Thank you. And have a wonderful night. 10 days, 10 days, 10